You're listening to The Open Podcasts. cameramen lined up to get the best shot new superstar in the making the, the golden boy the new golden boy from New Zealand a Maori boy playing golf unheard of leading the open nah there can't be there must be a fairy tale no you can uh, hold your breath if you're a New Zealander the journey of Michael Campbell the only Maori to ever win a major championship has been driven by powerful forces within him both on and off the golf course in two Open Championships at the old course, ten years apart, Campbell excited and inspired a new generation of golfers, both in his home country and around the world, to want to be like Mike. From the small town of Howrah in New Zealand, where he was born, to the small town of St Andrews in Scotland, where he nearly made history, Campbell has been proving doubters wrong his whole life. Everything was just... You know, on on song. You know, I think when you play your best golf, every department of your game's got to be perfect. And it was that day. It was just incredible how I played. Looks good. Well, that's a move there. Michael Campbell comes up because it's a long time since we had a man from New Zealand crowned as our Open champion. Who knows what today and tomorrow will reveal. This is Tales of the Open. This is the story of Michael Campbell. Campbell was born in the west of New Zealand's North Island in 1969 in Howrah. Growing up as a young boy, Campbell wanted to be an all-black, playing rugby for the New Zealand national team. Golf was far from the top of his priorities. But that soon changed after he caught the bug playing at the Patea Golf Course. Well, obviously, being from New Zealand, uh, playing rugby was the main sport to play. That's the only sport to play, really. Um, golf was later in my uh, my life, a young kid growing up in New Zealand, but it was mainly basketball, rugby, softball, tennis, badminton, squash, uh, and a bit of golf. But... Um, you know, my main focus really was on rugby because it's every boy's dream to be an All Black coming from New Zealand. And I played rugby for 10 years and uh, golf was kind of like late later on. And my dad introduced me to golf. Um, he started playing golf and I was probably eight years old, maybe nine years old. I used to caddy for him. And my payment um, on the Sunday mornings, you know, when it's winter time in New Zealand, it's pretty cold, was a uh, meat pie and a, and a strawberry milkshake. So I was pretty happy with that. So uh, he, he he's a left-hander, so he got me to... He cut down a little left-handed club for me, a six-iron. I'll never forget that. And I was just swinging a golf club, you know, left-handed for the first probably six months. Didn't really like it that much. I I wanted to play rugby, you know, rugby and play for the All Blacks. So golf was very distant in my mind to actually even play the game. And then I kind of realised when I was probably about 10 years old, I wasn't big enough, strong enough, fast enough to, to be in a black. So I thought I'd give this uh, game of golf a crack. And so my first handicap at 13 was 33. And I started on the golf course where there were uh, sheep everywhere. It was a farm, basically. Very humble beginnings, you could say. And uh, so he brought me a cut down or half a set of bobby locks. I didn't forget that. Uh, I think I had like a wedge seven iron and then a five iron and a three wood and a putter and a driver you know so it cost fifty dollars back in those days and uh yeah and ever since then i was 13 i caught the bug after switching to playing the game right-handed campbell was inspired to be a professional golfer after his father woke him up in the middle of the night to watch the final nine holes of major championships despite the time difference Campbell was inspired to undertake his journey even as a 13-year-old schoolboy, using strong motivation behind him. The first day at school, you got up and introduced yourself. You know, you go, hi, my name's Michael Campbell. Um, I'm from, I was born in Hara. Um, you know, my, my, dad's, my dad works for telecom. My mum's a nurse. And then at the end of the conversation, you've got to say what you want to be in the future. And I said, a golf professional. 
and all my classmates were like, what, golf professional? That's unusual because, you know, this is back in the 80s and I'm a Maori boy. That's, that's very uncommon. Uh, you, could, you could say I broke the mold because most of my classmates were saying, policemen, you know, your typical kind of answer, nurses and firemen, that sort of stuff. But I said golf professional. And a friend of mine reminded me of that story uh, about a couple of years ago, and it's, it's quite funny. So, yeah, I had that passion to turn pro one day. And um, I think also I wanted to prove, I think my why was I wanted to prove to the world that Maoris can play golf, you know, not just play play rugby or rugby league, we can play golf as well. So that was my very powerful reason why I wanted to actually go out there and play and to prove to people that we can play golf as well. And wonderful what he's done for the New Zealand uh, golfers and they've, what a great time it is for them with the rugby players and now they're golfers as well. While Campbell dreamed of being a golf professional, he wasn't an excellent junior player. In fact, he was what he declares himself as rather average. I mean, I was a very late developer. I was pretty average as a um, kid growing up. My first handicap was 33, age of 13, and my handicap at 6, uh, when I was 16, was 6. So it was pretty average. Nothing great, you know, I was just the average kind of um, junior golfer. But then I got bigger and stronger, and my handicap dropped from from 6 to plus 2 within a year. So 17, I was you know, playing for the Wellington team under, under 18s, and then made the um, New Zealand team. And then made the men's New Zealand team. And then, so it, it really uh, skyrocketed for me, I think, from age of 16 to 21, where everything changed completely. It was before then, I was pretty Joe average, you know, with um, if you, all my friends were at the same age as me at 16, they're of plus ones and plus twos. But I was just, just the average player back in those days. But I don't know why it happened, but I think it's got, I got stronger and, and uh, got, well, this, I, I kind of just grew, grew up and I was quite short and quite. Uh, Runty, you could say, as a kid, but then I got a bit, a bit of muscle. By the end of his teenage years, Campbell began to show his talents as one of New Zealand's best amateur players. Playing in the famed Eisenhower Trophy, the biennial World Amateur Team Competition in 1992 in Canada, Campbell's career took a further step in the right direction as New Zealand beat a team with two future Open champions. 2021 was when my golf really... Uh, improved a lot, you know. I won a lot of um, national events around Australia, and New Zealand, and as an amateur, then went to obviously the World Championship, the Eisenhower Trophy back in 1992, I think it was. I was 20, okay, yeah, 23, and we came, we won it, we won it, you know, we won it. And I came second individual. My um, Philip Tatarangi came first, so we had a good chance to win. It was nice to win, beat the Americans, um, because they were ahead, like I think, with six, not horse to play, they're like six shots ahead. We won by like five, so the guys played great the last nine holes and with uh, Justin Leonard and Dave DeVal on the team. The victory was so unexpected that an emergency trip was required before New Zealand could even collect their trophy. Funny thing about that was uh, the closing ceremony was delayed like an hour because all they had was the American um, national anthem. So someone had to rush down to the, yeah, rush down to the Zealand consulate in uh, Vancouver in Canada to uh, to grab a, a national anthem from New Zealand. Uh, so that was quite a funny story. After underdog success in the Eisenhower Trophy, Campbell would turn professional and would enjoy early success the following year. The Kiwi played on the Challenge Tour in 1994 and qualified for his first Open Championship that summer, playing at Turnbury. I remember uh, getting the final spot at Turnbury and I thought, wow, this is incredible. This is a different level completely. And I was overwhelmed. Um, I missed the cut, obviously, because I was just happy being there. I was happy being there. It was just uh, incredible. I remember going to, I was sponsored by Titleist and going to the trucks there and getting my three pairs of shoes and all these free golf balls and free gloves and free hats and free shirts. I'm thinking, this is Christmas. But um, one thing, the one thing that um, I was lucky, fortunate enough to, to have is, is um, a mentor is in Greg Norman. Uh, I saw Greg on the Tuesday and he said, oh, Michael, come have a practice round with me. I said, yeah, I love that practice round with Greg Norman. And won the world. He won the year before, of course, defending champion. And I thought, wow, what an amazing honour to do this, you know, to actually have uh, the defending champion ask me for a practice round. So I remember, because, okay, Michael, 
asked Wednesday, first head, 12 o'clock. I said, okay, I'll be there. So I'm waiting there nervously and Greg turns up and he, he brings along Freddie Couples and Davis Love. And I'm thinking, holy smoke, you know, num- Davis number three in the world and Freddie's number four, five in the world and it's me. So we're staying on the first tee and I'll never forget this. And I said to, and, and Greg goes, okay, guys, it's time for a little bet here. And I said, okay. And uh, he goes, Australasia versus America. So me and him against uh, Freddie and, and Davis. I go, great. And I'm thinking, okay, don't forget, I'm, I'm struggling financially. You know, I've just turned pro. I've got my girlfriend with me at the time. You know, we're staying in, you know, B&Bs and all that sort of stuff. And he goes, okay, let's play for a thousand in the hole. I'm thinking, oh, no. I, I, I said, okay. Okay, I'll play for that. I couldn't afford that, no way. But that day, that day was probably blowing about 25 knots, overcast, bit of rain. Greg shot 62 around there. I'm thinking, this guy's going to win. He's untouchable. He was best round of golf ever seen in my life, and we won the money, thank God. So it, 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 it saved me. It saved my bacon, you could say. Unsurprisingly, Campbell was petrified over his first shot in that practice round. I, I can't. Oh, my my hands were like trembling. My my I couldn't breathe. You know, these like because imagine that Greg Binder won the world defending champion. There's thousands of people lined up watching. I make contact. Um, just I think a, a, a fat two iron down the middle of the fairway there on the first hole at Turnbury, and then obviously Nick Price won that year. And uh, but yeah, oh, what what an amazing experience. And I. I you know, I've seen the opens, you know, replays when I was a kid growing up, but um, to be there to experience the crowds, uh, just the knowledge of the crowds is just incredible. They know about golf. They know about golf. They're well-educated, you could say. Uh, the stands, massive green grandstands, the yellow scoreboard at the end, and walking down the um, the favourite part of that, that week for me was uh, walking down the, the last with uh, the grandstands and the scoreboard there. Uh, it, was, it was for the first time. That was probably on the Monday. It was pretty special. I'll never forget that. After being thrown in at the deep end the year prior with Greg Norman, Campbell returned to the 124th Open Championship at St Andrews in great form and with full European Tour status for the first time. He once again felt comfortable on Scottish land, in part due to his own heritage. Yeah, exactly. And the, the Maori people are very spiritual people. Okay. And yes, um, uh, my great, 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 great grandfather, um, Slocum Campbell, came over from uh, Edinburgh back in 1846 or something. And he, he, um, he immigrated to, uh, to Auckland. Mike Campbell from New Zealand, Maori, tells me that his uh, ancestors, <coughs> some of his ancestry comes from Edinburgh, Scotland. So we might claim him. So yeah, I think there was a definite connection of, of being Scottish and um, in the, the the connection of me playing golf as well. It's, it's a nice correlation, I think. You know, the, the two together. Yeah, it was. It, and going back to Scotland and play, I just felt it was my home, my second home, you could say. Comfortable on the turf where his ancestors once walked, and at ease at the home of golf, Campbell was determined to take his form from the year into St Andrews and into the Open Championship. And no, I, I was playing well. I think it's all, you know, you ask any golfer, it's all about momentum, you know, momentum and, and confidence. And building up to uh, the Open 95, I was playing well. I think I finished third or second in the Scottish Open at Carnoustie the week before. So going into St Andrews, my first time there, I was once again, it was like, wow, this is so cool. You know, home of golf, can't get any better, the Open. And then the first couple of rounds, you know, I was, I was, I think I shot two under or you know, I made the cut. And, and then Thursday was just one of those days where I just played probably the best golf of my life uh, on that uh, third day, on Saturday. Two steady opening rounds of 71. There emerges a name virtually unknown to me, Michael Campbell. Uh, I just watched it on, on YouTube recently about um, my, my third round. It was... I putted so well, I hit the ball so so well, everything was just, you know, on, on song. You know, I think when you play your best golf, every department of your game's got to be perfect. And it was that day. It was just incredible how I played. Oh, another view of Michael Campbell, the promising New Zealander. Seventh hole, four under par. Look at this one. Beautiful shot. Right at the flag. This is for three. Oh, he's made it. 
beautiful combination of line and pace there. Takes this young New Zealander closer and closer to the lead. What a start. Three birdies, four pars. And I remember playing with Brett Ogle and uh, he, he couldn't believe what I shot because it was a tough day, but I was just enjoying the, the, the moment. Campbell for a three at the ninth. Looks good. Well, that's a move there. Michael Campbell comes up, uh, now joins him at 600 because it's a long time since we had a man from New Zealand crowned as our Open champion. Who knows what today and tomorrow will reveal. After Campbell's front nine in the third round, the New Zealander was four under for his day in strong winds and all of a sudden found himself atop the leaderboard in a tie for first place. We have to say that not only does he play well, but he appears to enjoy playing the game. Loves every minute of it, thrives on it. And I love Lynx Golf. Lynx Golf is my favourite way to play. Uh, I love, you got to use your imagination, you know, you got to use your creativity. Uh, I just love it. I love Lynx Golf. I think it started uh, because the golf course I started playing in, in Wellington, that that farm I told you about, it was always windy, very undulating. It's a short course, but it's, it's a tough, short course. And very lengthy as well. So I'm used to that sort of stuff. And I love, I, I just, it, I thrive on it. I thrive on Lynx Golf. Two good pars followed on the 10th and 11th holes before Campbell drove his ball just short of the par 4 12th. Look at this one, look at this, look at Beautiful, beautiful putt. So we have championship leader, Michael Campbell's gonna be the leader in the championship when he taps this in. That's seven under par, this to go seven under. What a great performance. Campbell now held the outright lead in the open. Young and unafraid of the big stage, Campbell was far from resting on his laurels, however. Figure in the black and white striped shirt. New Zealand's colours. Bruce, Mike Campbell. This for yet another birdie. Could have got it. Well, he's putting some round together. We all said it was so windy here that uh, anyone breaking par would have achieved something. And just look at the score that he's putting together here. I think the average that day was 74 or something because it's blowing about 25 knots, 30 knots, and I played so well. But here's a man that hasn't even looked like coming near a disaster all day. After making birdie on 12 and 13, Campbell needed an up and down from 50 yards on the par 5 14th to go 7 under for his day and 9 under for the championship. Well, Campbell's about to try and play a little flick shot onto the top tier. Oh, he's just played it on nicely. That's a good shot. That should give him a reasonable birdie opportunity here at 4 and uh, 14 rather and uh, give him an even better chance to extend his lead. It's about 12 feet and it should just drift slightly from his right hand side. Fairly swift. Yeah. And the reaction says it all. Campbell now held a three shot lead and with solid pars on the 15th and 16th to boot, the New Zealander would find himself four shots clear with just two holes to play in his round. Excellent uh, result, and uh, now all he's got to worry about is the 17th. Uh, he's enjoying his round today, isn't he, and this incredible golf that he's putting together. Seven under for his round. After hitting a decent drive on 17, Campbell set up for his approach into the infamous road hole at St Andrews. Campbell was looking for a hopefully uneventful par to ensure he held the lead heading into the final day. But what occurred next was far from uneventful. Yeah, and that's found the bunker. 
Well, not only has he found the bunker, he's so tight up against the face of it, and there really is not an awful lot of room to play with in there. To enjoy exclusive open content, join the One Club for free today. In addition to exclusive content, as a member of the One Club, you'll get priority access to tickets, receive exclusive offers, and get the chance to win competitions 365 days a year. Get even closer to the Open. Join the One Club today at theopen.com. Now you can uh, hold your breath if you're a New Zealander. Had this uh, miraculous bunker shot on 17 where it was against the lip and I got out, don't know how I got out, but it, it got out. Can he get it up high enough, straight enough to get out? Life changing. He has. He got out. Not only that, he got there. Tom Morris have said of that. Miraculous. And now Campbell. Campbell who has destroyed a lot of the, the myth of the bunker here at the Road Hole. Nine under for the championship, leading by four. And still leads. Well, that was uh, bordering on the awesome, wasn't it? Anything could have happened. You could really fear for him in that situation. Could have been a collapse. And there we saw a stroke which I think we'll always remember. An incredible shot from the road hole bunker, where Campbell managed to hit his ball to two feet from the hole after lying just six inches from the deep riveted face. The shot followed by Campbell's own version of the Are You Not Entertained celebration, gave the New Zealander overnight stardom. Because that was my first tour, or first year on tour, uh, on the European tour. So I went from you know, the Challenge Tour, I went from the Euro uh, Australasian Tour to the Challenge Tour to the European Tour, so my first full year on the European Tour, and I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is the real deal. And that's 65 for this third round of the championship. And at this moment, he has a lead of four. Was I surprised? Absolutely. I mean, I was, I was just having fun. I was just enjoying the moment of being there and just um, enjoying the atmosphere of, of the Open at St Andrews. And the golf was just a nice byproduct of me feeling comfortable, relaxed, and, and pretty much... You know, I said before, I played my best golf ever uh, on that uh, third day, on Saturday. Well, he's got a great chance now to savour all that, remember it all his life. It was a magnificent day's golf on a course that really is not very easy. Um, and then I remember going to the press conference on the Saturday. It was the first time I was exposed to 300 reporters, you know, at any one time under the same roof that was daunting for me. I never experienced that before as a as a player, as a professional. It's only your second opener, having said that. You're obviously not intimidated or worried at all by, by the size of the championship. No, well, I'm more of a guy who who's, uh, he likes to be excited rather than nervous. I wasn't nervous whatsoever out there. I was excited to you know be in the position I am. And um, it's very nice for tomorrow. And I think tomorrow is a different day. Um, so it's a matter of keeping things in perspective and just go out there and have fun. After his third round 65, on a day where only two of the remaining top 15 players broke 70, Campbell held a two-shot lead from Constantina Rocca. Suddenly the man from Howrah was all the rage in Scotland, as he was looking to claim golf's original major in his first season in Europe.
so much golfing history has been written here at the headquarters of the game and more will follow this afternoon the final round of this the 25th St Andrews Open. But right now the breeze is really blowing hard and if these are the playing conditions for the afternoon, well luck as ever will play its part. And the New Zealander Michael Campbell conceded yesterday that luck was a factor in the shot of the championship so far. His amazing recovery from the road hole bunker that enabled him to stay ahead of the field at 9 under. Wonderful round of 65 from the young New Zealander. To lead by two from Costantino Rocca and by three from Australia's Steve Elkington, but a most international of leaderboards. Sunday, uh, I need to tell you a story uh, behind the scenes uh, on Sunday. Basically, IMG, look, I'll take full responsibility. IMG said, Michael, would you like to uh, chopper from Dundee? Because I stayed in Dundee for the whole week. It takes like an hour, nearly half an hour because of the traffic. Um, do you want to chopper it from Dundee to the to, to the golf course. I said, fantastic idea. Well, it was the worst idea in the world. It had nothing to do with IMG. It wasn't their fault. It just it was me changing my routine. But and so I remember going. Uh, my father was there. My coach was there. My my girlfriend at the time was there. There was four of us waiting and waiting. It's forty five minutes late. This chopper, right? Finally, it turns up. It only takes five minutes to St Andrews. But yet we've got to travel another ten minutes to the golf course right and I remember jumping into the van grabbing my clubs and I said to the driver I don't care what you do you know I could be the first person in history to actually miss my tea time leaning the open I said just drive on the curb just drive on the wrong side of the road I've got to get there but as you know there's another five minutes to the to the uh, driving range and the traffic there is horrendous so I get to the driving range I had probably about five balls and I'm rushing back so I'm getting the first tee I'm leading the open and I'm I'm obviously full of anxiety already. And you know, add it add the, the the fact that, you know, I just I've been rushing around, didn't warm up properly, didn't practice putt straight to the first tee. On the tee, Michael Campbell. Well, he said many times over the last twelve or fourteen hours he's gonna go out today and enjoy himself. We shall see. You know, thank God it's a big fairway. <laughs> you can't miss it. <laughs> if I miss that fairway, I'll be in trouble. Bit of an edgy one down the left side. And I think that was a bit of an early morning one. A very anxious tee shot, not just caused by Campbell's position on the leaderboard, meant that it was less than an ideal start in the final round. However, Campbell still had a chance to save an opening par. Back to the first, Campbell for a par. Well done. We've got 150 to 1 on yesterday and our latest price of John Hunt is racing this morning. He's 5 to 2 all of a sudden. On the second hole, again, a chance for par. Campbell. Well, that's a confidence stroke. There was no staggering into the hole. Two holes gone, two pars. He stays at 9 under. Four holes in and Campbell was level par for his final round, but as John Daly began to make a charge, Campbell needed to make a move. Unfortunately, Campbell's first move was in the wrong direction. A bogey on the par 5 fifth was followed by a bogey on the sixth hole. Now Campbell to drop just one shot at the sixth. Oh, he's starting stepping forward to that because it blew out. Seven under, keep calm. Suddenly, Campbell was on the ropes, and after a tough start to his day, he had a difficult job to arrest the slide. Over the back of the par 4 7th hole, he faced a tricky downhill chip. Now here's the third shot of Campbell. Is it far enough? It's a good one. It's a brilliant one. Oh, what a shot. Well done, that man. A beautiful par on the seventh hole offered some hope, 
but that was quickly extinguished with a bogey on the eighth. Back to six under for Michael Campbell. Missed chances followed on nine and ten before Campbell teed off on the par three eleventh hole. Finding the devilish Strath bunker, Campbell eventually holed an eight-footer for his bogey to move back to five under par for the championship as Daly soared ahead. Four straight pars, however, and Campbell was right back in the thick of the championship as Daly was faltering in his closing holes on a brutally tough day of wind. At four under par for the championship and now five over for his final round, Campbell still had a chance to win. He needed to gain two shots in his last two holes to tie Daly. His approach to 17 was a good one. Just setting that out to the right, centre, front of the green. And a nice kick, kicked off the bank. That's a beautiful shot for Campbell. Well, if he popped that one in, goes to five under. And the three at the last, we could have a playoff. Has he given it enough? Certainly has. No, he hasn't. It was, it was drifting away from him to the right, and he's, he sort of felt that his chance went with it. There you are. Nothing worked today. The birdie pot agonizingly missed, however meaning Campbell needed to eagle to tie on 18. Meanwhile, Campbell's playing partner, Costantino Rocca, needed just a birdie on the closing hole to tie Daly. What transpired next proved to be one of the greatest five-minute stretches in Open Championship history. So I had a chance to win. I had a putt on the last hole. I hit it, drove it pin high, about 50 feet away. I'm just trying to do my sums. and Campbell at uh, four under... He's got to make a two. He can knock it on and hold the putt. He'll be ripping this one. Told you. He'll come off that wee shoulder. He's up on the green. Well, he's got a putt. He's got a putt. Uh, and, and what I really enjoyed that day, really, was uh, at the very end, in the last group with myself and Constantino Rocca, um, walking over this walking bridge there, and, and the people behind you roped off, and you had this amazing amphitheater around you, you know, the grandstands, the leaderboards, your name up there. It's just uh, something that a golfer will always dream about, and to win an Open would have been, um, you know, amazing to, to, to achieve. But. Either Campbell or Rocca must hole out from where they are now to force a tie. And I had a putt. Well, it was a good effort from such long range. Of all these trials and tribulations, if he holds that, he's going to end up just a, a shot behind. Amazing, isn't it? And obviously, Rocker had this amazing putt from the Valley <laughs> of Sin that was, uh, was something uh, amazing to watch to be there. He just duffed his chip, you know. Um, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, okay, so that means I'm, I'll probably tie for second because uh, I thought there's no way he's going to hold it. John's going to win this. He doesn't hold it, Daly. John Daly will be the champion. And Rocket, he holds that putt. Look at this. I remember hugging him and thinking, should I be angry or be happy for him? Oh, it was both because thinking that's, that's nice of you to make it and unfortunately he didn't win, win the playoff. As Daly triumphed in a playoff over Rocker. It's official, Daly, John Daly, the 1995 Open Champion. 
Campbell finished just a shot behind when everything that could go wrong for the New Zealander did. For Campbell, however, it proved an invaluable experience. Uh, it was an amazing, amazing event for me. Uh, it made me uh, kind of be respected as a player from my peers, which is important, I think. Um, so that, that week was definitely a life-changing event for me. Disappointment was natural for Campbell, but his dinner that evening proved he still had his head firmly upon his shoulders. Missing by one shot was was disappointing, but you know I remember driving back in a transit van and uh, for an hour, and then stopping the fish and chip shop, get some fish and chips for everyone, and everyone's looking at me going, "Wow, what are you doing here?" I said, "Oh, you know, I'm just a normal normal bloke that's pretty humble. I just want to have some fish and chips." <laughs> yeah, I was hungry because I didn't eat at all that day because I was pretty nervous. But uh, look, you know that day I learned a lot about myself as a player, my preparation. First things don't change your routine. <laughs> um, but I said before, I take full full responsibility, you know. But I was young, you know. I wanted to, you know. Hey, a chopper ride. That that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, helicopter. Let's let's, let's do that. Dumb, dumb idea. Um, so, but I learned a lot about myself that day. Incredible, you know. Yeah, d- disappointed. Yes, but also elated at the same time. I had very very mixed emotions that day. After the open in 1995. Campbell became a worldwide phenomenon. Instantly, everyone wanted a piece of him, and his job to remain grounded became tougher than ever. Uh, I was I was pretty much they called the the golden boy, the new golden boy from New Zealand, the Maori boy playing golf, unheard of. Leading the Open, nah, there can't be. There must be a fairy tale. But yeah, so I was pulled left, right, and centre uh, to go to all these different places around the world. Japan, I remember, I had a crazy schedule, crazy, crazy schedule. I can't remember, but it was like 10 weeks in a row. I was, all of a sudden I was getting these parents' fees, all this money, get to fly to business class for free. I'm thinking, this is fan- this professional golf is fantastic. I love this life. Um, and my last tournament was in New Zealand, and I just threw the, I think, the pressure, the stress, and I played two weeks in, in Australia, Australian Masters, that sort of stuff, Australian Opens, and we're hard, playing off hard ground, and just um, my wrist gave way. My body said, "Michael, enough! I, I can't. We can't. I can't handle this. I, enough of this playing and travelling, you know, and, and the stress also is, is a big factor. So, I had a wrist injury and I was out for six months." Campbell's wrist injury and a loss of form hurt his career, but in the late 1990s and early 2000s, Campbell was playing well, winning four times in the millennium year and reaching number 14 in the world. Yeah, I had to change my swing because I used to fade everything. Now I had to draw everything. Um, so to visually see a, a, a draw for me was nearly impossible. Now I had to try and see that. It was I found it very hard to make that transition from being a fader to a drawer. Um, so, but it, it, it took some time. Then I bounced back back in '99, 2000, where you know started winning again. By 2005, he was in full flow and headed to Pinehurst to play the U.S. Open after qualifying at Walton Heath. Campbell's mantra for the week proved that the lessons of 1995 were well and truly learned. Well, the first thing I did, I didn't change my routine. <laughs> no, no chopper flights, no, no. I basically, I actually, what I've been overboard because I had, I have a little diary. I keep, you know, uh, uh, you know what I did that week, um, what I ate, uh, hours of sleep, you know, uh, and every every night I ate at the same restaurant. Uh, same, <laughs> the same seat at the restaurant, salmon with two asparagus, asparaguses and a mashed potato, the glass of red wine. There you go. The lynx-type nature of Pinehurst stood Campbell in good stead and allowed the Kiwi to take all of his love for lynx and creative golf into the week, nearly a decade after coming so close at St Andrews. If you look at my major record, it hasn't been great, but um, the best performances in majors for me were definitely the Opens because I loved the, I said before earlier in the, in the piece, that I love the whole way you play it. That's why it's really appealing to me. Um, and when I got there at Pinehurst, I loved the um, the layout itself. You say it's very kind of lengthy. Well, it's tree-lined, it's lengthy as well. Um, I was driving the ball great. You know, I, was, I hit average like 10 fairways per round around there which is fantastic and then you know you had to be more creative with your, your shots because of 
greens are very, very tiny. They had like tiny landing spots, which means you had to work the ball a lot. Um, so it really suited my game. It wasn't long. I'm not a long player, I admit that. So, you know, it, it was very much meant to be, you know, it was meant to be. As for Campbell's goals for the week, they revolved more around cars than the actual golf itself. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. One thing I noticed on that first tee um, in the last round, I was very, very calm because I actually thought I didn't think about winning it actually on the first tee. Um, I was thinking about top five. That was my my and, if, and in my diary, um, I wrote uh, as a goal. I said, "Okay, Michael, top top ten. I'm going to buy a love cars, a secondhand Porsche worth twenty thousand pounds. That because every week I have a goal." Maybe, um, maybe it could be hit, you know, uh, 10 fairways per round or break 30 putts per round. You know, I always had a goal during my whole career every time I played golf. And I don't know why, but for that week, I remember riding the plane on the way over to Pinehurst. My goal was if I reached top 10 this week, I'm buy myself a, a Porsche, second-hand Porsche. So <laughs> on my golf ball, instead of putting a dot, I put 911. <laughs> so I thought so I was just for the, on, on the first tee in the last round I was playing for my Porsche because I knew I was I, I, I kind of conceded that conceded that um, Goose is going to win he just won the year before it'd be his you know he'll win this and then then all of a sudden after six holes I was leading I'm thinking okay I need to readjust my my, my thinking uh, so I went from a career 2S to a career 4S to a GTS career <laughs> a new one <laughs> with an engine upgrade. Uh, with uh, I was visualizing the color, the interior. It was it was crazy. It was crazy. So um, I played a game within a game, you could say, and it really made me kind of more relaxed because I was focused on the, on the smaller game, not the bigger one, bigger picture. Uh, so that was, that was a nice story. While Campbell still was dreaming of his Porsche. He found himself fighting down the stretch with none other than Tiger Woods and had an interesting way of deflecting the pressure that that prospect presented. And then to have, obviously, Tiger chase you down, you know, I was, I think, um, I remember standing on the 10th tee last round, got nine holes to play, Tiger's playing in front of me. And I've, I think I'm ahead by one shot. And he just won Augusta three months before. He won 10 majors, whatever, you know, best player in the world by far. And he's chasing me down. I'm thinking, this is going to be fun. You know, I thought, it's it's the whole thing about fight or flight. You know, you run towards it or run away from it. So I decided to have some fun and run towards trouble. Because I think Tiger made like, I don't know, four birdies in the last nine holes. And every time Tiger had a good shot, uh, I would dob my hat or wave to the crowd. Although it was... It was him playing the shot. And my caddy said to me, what are you doing, Michael? I said, well, I'm trying to deflect or transfer the energy from going to Tiger to me. So, I mean, no one taught me that either. It just came from the golfing gods, you know. Uh, That's just, um, so every time Tiger had a good good part or a good good shot to the green, I I would say, thanks, thank you, thank you. And trying to get all the energy, what the crowd had given to Tiger, to me. So there you go. Campbell's performance that day sent shockwaves around the golfing world and put his home country of New Zealand into raptures. In winning the US Open, Campbell became only New Zealand's second major champion after Sir Bob Charles had won the Open in 1963, and it made Campbell the first ever Maori to win a major championship. US Open champion. It's got a ring about it, doesn't it, Wayne? For, for you to win a major, for everything to happen, it has to, all your ducks got to line up in a row, you know, as <laughs> simple as that. And, you know, in 2005, it all happened for me, so that was nice that I could finally, you know, uh, win a major. Uh, first time uh, that a, the a Maoris won a major, that's that's kind of cool, you know, so that was definitely, a, as I said before, um, it's my why, you know, I wanted to prove to the world that we can play golf as well as play rugby. Almost immediately after his incredible triumph, Campbell returned to Scotland and St Andrews for the 134th Open Championship. Now a major champion and on one of his favourite courses, 
Campbell had a chance to right the wrongs of ten years ago. Sadly for him and the rest of the field, there was one man in his way. Open Championship prepares to get underway. This man, Tiger Woods, the champion the last time the Open was held here in 2000, with that record score of 19 under. At 8.20 a.m. this morning, he got his challenge underway. I I, I actually thought um, if if Tiger wasn't playing, (laughs) because he was showing some great form again, I thought that I was going to win that, to be honest with you. I mean, I love that place. I know it like in the back of my hand, you know, I know every single bump and every single groove on that golf course and everything about it. And I thought coming in here into, you know, into a major championship, I've got a good chance here. But it depended on, on how Tiger played. He played great that week. So, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was um, you know, another great week for me. Uh, finished, I think, fifth or something. Or, I can't remember what I finished. Um, you know, I had a chance to not a chance to beat Tiger, maybe maybe finish high on the on the scoreboard there. But I just it's hard when you know that you're so far behind uh, such a great um, you know front runner like Tiger. It's hard to beat him. And so did I concede a little bit? Yes, because I knew that I wasn't. Um, I said you can have this one. You can have this one, mate. It's, it's fine. <laughs> ah, there he is, the man, championship leader. He seems in a lonely spot. Everybody clears it and gets far away. They don't want to be compared, I don't think, Dennis. This is a class act. Oh, I just knew that Tiger was pretty determined not to lose this one, that's for sure. I remember um, seeing him on, had a chat to him on the, uh, um, during the practice days, and he was like pretty determined of not letting this go. You know, he was, uh, you know, I knew it was going to be hard to beat. He had that look that, he had that look that week. He had that look, you know, it's a look that um, I've seen before in Tiger, and I see it now, especially now, when he's back playing again, I see that look, because before, you know, he was um, not as focused, uh, but now he's, he's definitely after winning the Tour Championship and winning Augusta as well. I mean, that's definitely, he, he's back now, and, and when he has that look, you know, you've got no chance. A top five finish, however, at the Open Championship in 2005 ensured that Campbell's season continued on to greatness as he won the World Matchplay Championship at Wentworth later in the year. Since then, however, Campbell's form went downhill, and the New Zealander eventually gave up the game in 2013. Uh, I think I got to a stage where I thought, hey, I wasn't playing well, I needed a bit of a break, I wanted to see my kids grow up, because I, as a father I was away a lot, you know, as you know, you know I was away for 28 weeks of the year playing, but then I was home. But then I had all these commitments with sponsors and corporate days and all that sort of stuff. So I was away for a long time and I wanted to reconnect with my boys because they were like 13 and 12 at the time. And I thought it was a perfect time for me to spend more time with them, to have a normal life. Go to the supermarket, it's like, oh, this is cool. Go to the supermarket. I'm, I'm cooking. So I love cooking now, you know, that sort of stuff. And it was the right time for me, I think, uh, in, in my my career, uh, yeah, I had a great career, you know, winning 15 times around the world, you know, including a major championship and a world match play. So that's that's pretty pretty good. I can, uh, um, yes, yes, it could have been more, absolutely. Uh, but um, if you if you look away, if I step away from the game completely now, I'm, I'm happy with what I've achieved. Now reinvigorated, however, and having made his first cut on the European Tour in seven years, just three months ago, Campbell is keen to give senior golf his full attention. One thing I love about golf is the longevity of it. You know, you can go out there and, and, and play now, and I'm to my second chapter of my golfing career, and the seniors tour, I'm 51 now. I uh, can't believe it. It's great to play with all my mates from years back. Monty's out there, and obviously Retief Goosen, VJ Singh, and Langer, he's killing it over there in, in, the, in the seniors tour, so it's incredible. Inspiration from the Open Championship has come from a certain champion of golf's original major too. I was I was watching the 2009, um, oh, for obvious reasons, uh, 2009 Open right at Turnberry when you know the whole eight iron Tom Watson thing. 59 years old, and that is truly inspiring. And 
I'm not I'm not comparing myself with Tom Watson. Don't even don't get me wrong there. No way. I'm even close to Tom Watson. But you got to realize that the board doesn't know your age, and it 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 reacts to physics. It's simple as that. Not emotion to 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 physics. And yes, I would love to. I mean. Uh, win the seniors open or qualify for the open and go out there and, and win the open. That'd be amazing. So uh, it's not too far from my page. Um, I need to do a lot of hard work. <laughs> Trust me. I mean, I haven't played much at all over the last couple of years. I've played a like lot 10 times. I, mean, I need to do a lot more work. Uh, I know what it takes to win a major. So uh, a lot more dedication, more time practicing gym stuff. But I said before, and you know, to watch that open, uh, just recently actually, uh, Tom Watson there, age 59, I can't see why not. Yeah. After winning the US Open, Campbell's responsibilities to the game of golf changed. It's a game he loves and wants to give back to, particularly to the Maori community that has driven him on so much in his career. Back in 2005, I just won the US Open and won the World Match Play. And then Monday, we'll fly straight from uh, England, where I used to live in Brighton, to America for President's Cup. And on my, on my team, my captain was uh, Gary Player and Jack Nicholas was the captain of the American team. And Monday or Tuesday night was this big function. Uh, Bill Clinton was there, the, uh, the president was there. Big fancy do. And uh, I, I see Jack over there, he comes running towards me, not running, he comes walking towards me. And um, he said, Michael, well done for winning your first major. That's fantastic. I saw you play in the way you held off Tiger was great mentally strong you know you swing amazing amazing conversation with Jack right and then all of a sudden he kind of like turned he got these beady eyes at me he goes Michael now it's time to since you're a major winner now it's time to promote the game Campbell set out to prove that Maoris can play golf it's fair to say over his remarkable career he's done an awful lot more than that yeah, I mean, as I said before, it's my why, it's my inspiration uh, to, to do well, to uh, influence other people. Obviously, uh, I'm a New Zealander, so I like to inspire all New Zealanders. But it's especially nice to see a lot of uh, young kids from uh, a married descent uh, go and play golf now. Barriers are made to be broken, and you know, I think uh, I prove that to a lot of young married kids back in New Zealand. That, and if you're willing to to come you know, to put yourself and or dedicate yourself to anything you do. Anything you do, whether it's sport, whether it's business, or whatever you're going to do for the future. I mean, yes, I came across a lot of um, doubters, a lot of people who said, you're crazy, and there's no way you can make it. But that, that really fueled me, really inspired me to, to even prove them wrong. And I proved a lot of people wrong. Um, I had a lot of knockers along the way, absolutely, um, saying that, you know, we, we shouldn't be playing this game, we're not suited for this game. It was absolute, complete, you know, rubbish, you could say. It's nice to have that influence on these young kids. This has been an original audio production from The Open.